Hello everyone, my name is Alec Crowdhimmel. Welcome back to episode 2 of the What's Chopping podcast as part of the Big Banter Sports Network. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Big Banter Sports as we work to bring you the best and you know most elite Big Ten content out there. Be sure to follow us at the What's Chopping podcast at What's Chopping Pod on all kinds of social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and uh, yeah, be sure to follow us on all that and uh, we'll keep the content train going and uh you know, before we really get started, I have to say, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you may see a little bit of a scuff set up, and that's because I'm actually on vacation right now, so I definitely chose an interesting week to be away from home, um, especially given some of the events that have occurred uh, throughout the past week or so, which we'll get to, uh, maybe not in today's episode, but in the later episodes that you'll see later on this week, uh, depending on when this episode comes out. But anyways, uh, yeah, uh, secondly, gotta say... Sorry for the long absence. It's been about three weeks or so since the last episode. Uh, life has been, well, life recently. Uh, I have an internship. I got a bunch of stuff going on. And it kind of unfortunately fell to the wife's side. But I am guaranteeing that you'll get three episodes this week. And we'll keep working at it, especially with the season coming up. There's tons of new content, uh, especially with that season opener less than a month away. You know, we got training camp going on. You'll hear more about that later on. Realignment stuff, you hear more about that later on as well. But for now, uh, this is the second episode, so let's get straight into it. Rutgers has a starting quarterback, and his name, I'm sure everyone knows by now, I'm a bit behind on the news, but named Gavin Wimsett, the redshirt sophomore out of Owensboro, Kentucky, uh, was named the starter prior to Big Ten Media Day, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and it is an interesting decision as Rutgers has not, especially under Greg Shiano, was not named a starting quarterback uh, this early in, in, a, in a pretty long time. I know in 2021, Noah Vedrill was named the starter for the opener. Uh, I believe it was right before training camp, but still very early on. I believe it was at least under Shiano, 2010 was the last time. So it's been a very long time. So Gavin Wimsett named the starter, beat out Evan Simon uh, for that job. Uh, both apparently had were pretty close in the spring, uh, but Wimsett did just enough to get that job as he's been working with Shiano a new offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka, um, to you know make sure that this offense has a successful year. So we're going to go over what Gavin Wimsett brings to the Rutgers offense. So first we're going to talk about his strengths. Uh, and his main strengths are his arm talent, his mobility, and his out-of-structure playmaking. So first we'll talk about his arm talent. He has an electric arm, can make all the throws, put the ball anywhere. Um, and that could also lead to some downsides, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but, yeah, he has tremendous arm talent, really gets some great velocity on the ball, um, and, yeah, can really work the deep game uh, if he's accurate, which, again, we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, his mobility, he was billed as a dual-threat quarterback coming out of high school, and, unfortunately, we haven't really seen that as much as we would have liked to in his time as a Scarlet Knight. He, unfortunately, had a lower body injury uh, down the stretch last year, so that really sapped a lot of his confidence and the staff, the coaching staff's confidence in using him in the run game for fear of you know re-injuring uh, that leg. So hopefully fully recovered and ready to go, we will see more of that this year, uh, especially since you know this is a Rutgers offense that kind of needs to get going in order for the team overall to succeed. Uh, maximizing the strengths of your quarterback is a great way to bring success on the offensive end. And I guess going along with that mobility, out-of-structure playmaking is another strength of his where, you know, things break down in the pocket. He has to escape and get away. Uh, and he, he has shown the ability to do that on several occasions. I mean, even the first play of his college career, 
Uh, he came in at, I believe he was still 17 at that point, against Illinois, a game that they ultimately won uh, in 2021. He came in, uh, and it was a fourth down and nine where, you know, you're, you're, as a fan, you're thinking, what the heck is this guy doing putting in a, a, a true freshman who, you know, he had been with the team for a little bit at that point uh, during his senior season of high school. He actually ended up leaving Owensboro High School to join the team during his senior, during the, during the fall of his senior year. And we see this guy come out of the, into the huddle, and we're thinking, like, what's the, what is this coaching staff thinking? I mean, he's still a kid, basically. And, yeah, he, on fourth and nine, he completes a dart uh, while, you know, while on the run and picks up a first down, and Rutgers ultimately won that game. So, uh, again, much like the mobility, we haven't seen it as much um, because of the injuries that he suffered, but hopefully this year fully recovered. Uh, he also has some new weapons, and we'll see how they can get on the same page uh, and see you know, if things do eventually break down, especially with an offensive line that may not have been the strength of the team recently. Uh, we'll see what he can do with that. So those are his main strengths. Now we're going to talk about some of the things he needs to work on. First, I, uh, I hinted at this in the first section of his arm talent, but his accuracy, he unfortunately, uh, at least last year in the action that he showed, he, he's, he has some accuracy issues. And, you know, unfortunately that kind of came to a head in, in many occasions last year. I mean, he, against Michigan, Rutgers led 17-14 to 14 at halftime against a Michigan team that, you know, made the college football playoff. Uh, and he unfortunately threw three interceptions in that se- in the third quarter alone that really put that game away for the Wolverines. They ended up winning by 35. Uh, and it was a combination of accuracy issues along with reading the defense and, you know, maybe sticking to his first read a little bit too much. So working on that accuracy is going to be big uh, because if he can, you know, not only in the short intermediate game, but if he can, you know, drop it in the bucket in the deep game, now, opponents are going to have to respect the Rutgers passing game, which has not really been a factor of recent, especially in the past few years. So if he can make defenses respect the passing game, especially the deep passing game, it opens up lanes for the run game, which we've talked about. Uh, the running back room is one of the, the deeper rooms on the team. So if he can get that passing attack going, especially with his accuracy, um, then you know that unlocks uh, a, a wealth of capabilities not only for him, but for the rest of the guys on the offense. And another thing that he struggled with uh, is touch, and that kind of goes along with accuracy. It seems like you know, he has an electric arm and he can make all the throws. It's just a matter of you know, knowing when to you know, bring back the velocity a little bit, for lack of a better term. Um, we see that a lot in the short and intermediate game rather than the deep game. Uh, a lot of times he'll just throw a fastball to a guy, and sometimes... You know, Rutgers receivers had some drop issues last year, and a little bit of that could be attributed to the fact that Wimsett, you know, wants to throw it as hard as he can. Um, and so working on that's going to be big for him, uh, just making sure he can put it where guys can get it. And, you know, he has that electric arm already, so that will hopefully work itself out. So it remains to be seen if he can work that out. And I know I said the out-of-structure playmaking is a strength for his, but one thing he needs to work on is definitely reading defenses in the scramble drill. I mentioned that Michigan game where he got out of the pocket and just kind of, you know, didn't make the best decision, didn't see a cornerback, you know, uh, in the flat underneath, and it was an interception. I believe it was returned for a pick six, one of the three at least. Um, So when he does get out of the pocket and he does, you know, 
he does need to go into the scramble drill and try to find a receiver. You know, one thing that he needs to work on is you know reading the defense, seeing where the coverage is headed, and making sure he makes the right throw where you know he's not putting the ball in harm's way, um, and still setting up his team for a good play on offense. Um, so those are all things that can be worked out. Of course, he's still young. He's a redshirt sophomore. People forget. I mean, he like I said, he joined the team in the middle of his senior season of high school. So. I mean, that year, you can kind of call it a wash. He played in four games to reserve his red shirt. Uh, and then in 2022, he you know, dealt with some injuries here and there, and that definitely hampered uh, his true abilities as a dual-threat quarterback. So if we want to see the you know peak Gavin Wimsett, we're hoping that he is fully healthy and has made strides in between his, you know, I guess, red shirt freshman and red shirt sophomore season that he's coming into this year. Um, so that brings us into our next part of what does he need to succeed? Because obviously, you know, football, as much as many of the other big sports, is a team sport, and a quarterback needs support from his teammates on offense in order to fully succeed. He can't do it all himself. So what does he need to do? What does he need around him to succeed? And in my opinion, it starts at the top with simple play calling. And like I said before, offense coordinator Kirk Shiraka he has plenty of experience uh, coordinating offense all around. Recently was at Minnesota. That's where Rutgers hired him from, and he really helped to blossom Tanner Morgan into a great Big, big Ten quarterback, maybe one of the best in Minnesota's history, uh, and he did great work with the run game as well. So simple play calling. Um, not simple that it becomes predictable, but simple as in, you know, Wimsett doesn't have too many reads that he has to work through. Um, and that, you know, it gets guys open. And that's going to be the key is getting guys open because getting separation for Rutgers receivers has definitely been a struggling point uh, in the past. So getting them separation, getting them open is going to be very, very important. Uh, and this is not to say that, you know, Gavin Williams is not like a smart quarterback or can't read the field or anything like that, but it just helps when you have a young quarterback, and he is still a young quarterback, when you make it easy for him by scheming up plays where guys are getting open you know, quickly and easily, and, you know, if his first read is open, he'll get it to him and gain some yards that way, uh, including with, you know, the running game could open that up too. So, exactly. So, so, so the, one of the bigger keys is going to be the simple uh, play calling where he can make plays and, you know, get guys open through the scheme. Now, I mentioned it before, and one of the other things that he'll need is the strong running game. And I mentioned the running back room on the last episode as well, going through the two deep. I said that this is probably the deepest room on the offense, and I still do believe that. And it all starts with two guys, Sam Brown and Aaron Young, in my opinion. Uh, Sam Brown is reportedly fully healthy, as training camp has already started. We're about a weekend or so. Um, he's apparently fully healthy and ready to go. So getting him on the field and getting him running is going to be huge for the Scarlet Knights offense, especially if he can show the same promise that he did in his freshman season. Now, uh, in that Indiana game, he carried the ball, I believe it was 28 times at 105 yards and a touchdown, um, and unfortunately suffered the injury in that game. But even before that breakout game, he had some great moments where it just felt like he wasn't being utilized enough or properly. So, you know, as that while there is still going to be some rotation in the running back room because there's a lot of guys that can effectively carry the ball, there's going to be he's going to be that main bell cow back. Now, he probably won't be carrying it 25 times a game, especially coming off an injury like he had. Um, 
but he will be the focal point of that running game, and getting that running game going is going to be extremely important for the quarterback's success, uh, especially in Wimsett's cases. He is, you know, like I said, that dual-threat quarterback. So opening up the run game where, you know, maybe even he's the one running the ball. Now, hopefully we see some designed runs because he's still a great athlete and a great runner. Um, so we'll see how that goes, uh, in, especially in, you know, a strong running game. I said this before, you know, opening up the deep passing game can open up the rest of the offense. It's the same with the running game. A strong running game can really open up the pass offense because the, the defense, you know, if they try to stack the box against the run game, that opens up the passing game. But if they try to, you know, play, you know, heavy coverage on the passing game, then that opens up a lot of lanes on the running game. So it really is complementary. I know it's a cliche at this point, but it's going to be very important to play complementary football uh, in between the running game and the passing game, and Wimsett has the ability and the potential to do both, so that's going to be very important. Now, focusing more towards just the passing game, he's going to need to build a rapport with his new targets. Those three targets we talked about in the last episode, them being Nazim Brantley, Jaquay Jackson, and Sean Bauman, the, they all transferred up from lower levels, so that's going to add a little bit of a, uh, an extra adjustment period needed. Um, but getting on the same page with those guys, along with the guys that were already there, you know, Chris Long, uh, Christian Dremel, uh, Rashad Rochelle, those guys, um, getting, getting into a strong rapport with all of his targets is going to be very, very important because, you know, so he knows their tendencies, they know his tendencies, you know. Uh, some of the best guys at getting out of structure, guys like Russell, like prime Russell Wilson, you know, uh, I'm sure they worked on the scramble drill all the time where it's like, you know, he makes one move, uh, in one motion, say, and the receivers know exactly where to go, know where he'll be, and where the ball will go. So it's going to be very important to get on the same page with those guys uh, and see, you know, how uh, how how he can gel with them because this is a big year for him and also all the guys that are transferring in. They're all seniors, uh, so this is their last chance to really make an impact in, on the college level before, you know, pursuing uh, uh, any kind of professional career. Uh, Jaquay Jackson at training camp said, you know, I want to prove to people that I can make it in, in the pros. And I'm sure all those guys, Brantley and Bauman as well, are thinking that same thing. And the best way to do that is to get on the same page with your quarterback. So that's going to be very, very important. And then one of the other important aspects will be a strong offensive line, consistent offensive line. They brought in a new coach, Pat Flaherty. Uh, legendary, has been all over the globe in terms of coaching offensive line and tight ends. They brought back three starters. They were replacing a couple of them, including J.D. Dorenzo, who was their best offensive lineman last year, and Willie Tyler, their left tackle. So replacing your best offensive lineman and your blindside protector, especially when they are two different linemen, is very important. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I do have confidence in what Flaherty can bring to the offensive line and how it will progress under him. So... That's going to be very important to give him lanes, you know, give him time to 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 get rid of the ball, uh, and as well as you know, working with the running game, you know, opening up holes for the run game, not only for the running backs but for himself as well. So those are the things that are going to be very important for Gavin Wimsett to uh, get together by the time the season rolls around, which is in about three weeks from now. So we went through his strengths, things he needs to work on what he needs around him to succeed. And so Gavin Wimsett is your starting quarterback for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Now, 
I said that Coach Greg Schiano announced this before Big Ten Media Day. That was uh, about a couple weeks ago. And um, he also sent three player representatives, them being Johnny Langan, uh, Aaron Lewis, and Dion Jennings. Uh, and quite possibly the biggest star of not just Rutgers representatives, but the entire you know, Big Ten Media Day as a whole was Aaron Lewis. I mean, he showed off his infectious personality in so many aspects. And a lot of people came away thinking, like, this guy has a future in, in TV you know, after his pro career, of course, because the way, he's, you know, the way he's been playing and the way his potential is headed, he could have a pretty long one. But, yeah, uh, he might have been the star of the show um, for the entire conference. But, uh, of course, Cochiano spoke uh, at Media Day. Um, I'll give his general statement. You know, just summarize it. Don't want to read the whole thing because I'm sure you can Google it and you don't want to hear me drone on about what Greg Ciano said when you can just read it yourself. So I'm just going to go through some of the big points and um, what they mean pretty much other than just, you know, regular coach speak, which all 14 coaches did. It is what it is. But, yeah, um, he first, uh, you know, welcomed the new commissioner, uh, Tony Fatiti. Big stuff, of course, um, which we'll get to later on with realignment and all that. Really fun to work with. Um, he is, you know, looking out for what's best for the conference, very important. Um, and he said, you know, one thing that, that really stuck out to me, what he said was, um, he is the most excited or the most proud he's ever been to be at Rutgers University, which is very high praise, especially considering some of the highest of the highs, uh, that he has reached as the head coach at Rutgers, you know, taking down Louisville and reaching a top 10 team in the country and all that. Um, yeah, so... He said he considered it an honor and a privilege to represent Rutgers, uh, shouting out President Holloway, uh, Athletic Director Pat Hobbs, um, and then talking about you know the guys that they brought with them. Like I said, Deion Jennings, uh, the senior linebacker, sixth year, really special player. Aaron Lewis, uh, the Energizer Bunny. I'm sure all the fans saw that too, uh, especially in the in the uh, went with him talking uh, to everyone else. And then Johnny Langan, you know, coming back once again, uh, his fifth year at Rutgers. Um, and yeah, just, he said, just a super young man, Johnny offense. Um, and well, another line that really stuck out to me was as a head coach, when your best players are your hardest workers, that is a really nice spot to be in. And I definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, it's, it may sound a little bit cliche, but you know, when those guys that are setting an example in the locker room and on the field as, you know, those guys that really put in the work and they are your best players, you know, it really builds confidence for some of those younger guys that are looking to build into becoming an impact player. You know, if I work as hard as they do and I can make it to where they are now, that gives me a, a path to success. And, you know, I agree with Shiano. That's, that's, that's a huge part. So he said, you know, it's his 15th year at Rutgers, 11 his first time, going on his fourth. And like, he, like I said, he, he has never been more excited to be the head coach at Rutgers University. Uh, not only just with on the field, he also he mentioned the culture that they're building. Uh, he loves his players and his coaching staff. He's really excited about the way that they're handling on and off the field business, um, and especially with what they're doing in the classroom, especially the first time around. That was something that Coach Ciano really emphasized as being you know, not just great athletes, but great student athletes. Uh, and that definitely showed to have its benefits because that is the reason that they made a bowl game in 2021 because they had the highest APR of all the five and seven uh, teams that replaced Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl. So, uh, very important. Um, they had over a 3.0 GPA as a collective team, and that's something that he's very proud of and very important to him. Um, and he's talked a lot, He he's always brought this up, talked a lot about, you know, how important it is, you know, when parents trust him and the rest of his coaching staff with their sons, how important it is to not only build them through 
be great football players, but great people. And I'm glad that he is still emphasizing that and bringing it up as a talking point for why he's very proud of where his program is now. Um, and he said, you know, I always tell families when they come on visits, uh, other than the, the time when you're an infant, I think the biggest time of development is in your life is when you're 18 to 20 years old, uh, 18 to 22 years old, excuse me. And I think he's definitely spot on with that as someone who is in that age range, 21 right now. Um, and I think, uh, and I, I think he's, he made a lot of good points about, you know, more off the field stuff as well. Um, so now he's getting back to more on-field stuff. He's talking about recruiting. You know, we're a developmental program, um, and people don't always understand what that means. Um, and, you know, he, he's, I think he's being realistic there when, you know, it's not, you know, snap of the finger rebuild and, and, and you're a winning team. You know, it's, it's, it's building a culture and building guys that are ready to compete in the Big Ten, and he said that already. Um, so he... Uh, He's building, and he's uh, he's really trying to build up that culture, um, and you know, yeah, it's uh, his opening statement was definitely a lot, you know, a lot of different topics. But um, then we got to the Q and A part of it. Um, you know, he was asked about twenty twenty four with the elimination of divisions and the addition of UC, USC and UCLA. Now, of course, that's out of date because. They're also in 2024 welcoming Wisconsin or uh, Oregon and and Washington. But of course, the day that the media day was, that was not even a thing yet. This is this has only come to be in the last couple of days. But anyways, um, he was asked, you know, about what he thinks about USC and UCLA coming in. And he said, you know, 23 is what I'm focused on. You know, regular stuff like that. Um, he said, getting a look at it didn't really change much for us in regards to the schedule for 2024, so it's not going to be anything different. Um, moving forward, you sure it will be, but worry about that uh, when the time comes. Again, worried about the 2023 season because that's what's upcoming. Don't want to look too far ahead, but that 2024 schedule, to get a little off topic here, is, uh, is uh, not too pretty. I'm, I'm sure it'll be revised because of you know the new teams that are coming in. Um, but as it stands right now, Rutgers' conference schedule is projected to have the entire Big Ten East uh, except for Indiana, and you're replacing Indiana with UCLA. So the Big Ten was not too kind. But we'll see if that gets a revision uh, with the addition of Oregon and Washington, which we'll get to in a couple days, depending on when you're watching this. It may already be out now when we're talking about realignment. But anyways, uh, back to media day. He was asked, when you came to Rutgers, uh, there was a 15-game losing streak that the program had against Big Ten competition. Uh, what was something that you needed to change within the program, whether it was mindset or development, to become competitive in the Big Ten? Um, he tried to, uh, he, 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 he was definitely, you know, very introspective with this answer, saying, you know, it's a little different in our situation because he had already been there 11 years before he had left and then he'd been away for eight years. He said he was a little bit shocked with how much things had changed, not even just talking about the athletes of the football because they were in the Big East last time Shiano was there. Now they're in the Big Ten, so obviously that's going to change. But overall, just his team infrastructure as a whole, um, he said he had to rebuild a lot of things, you know, uh, things like nutrition, training, strength and conditioning. Uh, he said he didn't complain at all because when you're taking a job, you know it has to get done. And uh, coming off the previous regime, there was definitely a big rebuild needed. And, you know, he's in the middle of that. We'll see how it goes. Um, he says, you know, we're in a great place right now. I think our support for our student-athletes is unparalleled in college football. He's proud to say that. Um, and he said... 
one of the reasons that our guys are staying put. You know, Rutgers really didn't lose a lot of impact guys to the transfer portal, even though there are there are rumblings that there are some guys that were tampered with. You know, given this is this is college athletics now, it's going to happen. But he's you know the proof but the proof is is on paper. You know, they're bringing back a majority of the impact players from last year, save for those that you know ran out of eligibility, went to the NFL. They really didn't lose anyone of great impact to the transfer portal. So, you know, that, that just shows the, the build that they're taking and how people and players believe in it. And he was asked another interesting question. What's one thing that he would change about the current NIL or transfer portal landscape if he could do it tomorrow? And he said that there's a lot of things, so choosing one is a tough part. Um, but he had a very interesting answer to this one. He's kind of brought this up a couple of times. Uh, he said, somehow if the universities could control more of the NIL, so there's just uniformity, you don't have all the third parties. Um, and one thing that he's brought up in the past is, you know, bringing up some kind of players' union uh, where, you know, they become some kind of employee to whether it's the school or the state or something like that. That way it's more, you know, regulated and, you know, there's nothing like what we're seeing right now with basically the wild, wild west with the transfer portal and NIL and, you know, Things like that. It's 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 been a very interesting thing because it's something that Shiano has always, even way back when in his first time around here, when NIL laws were still, you know, just a just a, a lawsuit and a half with, you know, Ed O'Bannon and all the all that fun stuff. It's always something that he has advocated for, um, especially in terms of getting players to unionize. And we kind of saw that with Northwestern. It eventually ended up not really going uh, too far, but. That's something that he's been proposing for a long time, and it's interesting to see how it is now and how it could change in the future. Uh, he said, you know, bringing it in-house could be important. And, yeah, that was one of his more interesting and, like, answers of substance that we saw from him. So uh, I was very intrigued by that. I'm sure everyone else was, too. I uh, talked about being different. Uh, the person who asked was curious, what's the biggest challenge you still face? he still faces at Rutgers? He said, you know, number one, the biggest challenge, look at the logos on the wall. It's pretty self-explanatory. The Big Ten, especially the Big Tenies, is an absolute gauntlet. And, you know, you're building up your entire program just to compete with those guys. You know, the Michigans and the Ohio States and the Penn States, that's the big three right there. You know, college football playoff contenders every single year. So, I mean, you got to beat, you got to get to, you got to get to those to see, you know, how you, uh, how you can compete in the Big Ten East. And next he was asked, uh, about week one against Northwestern, obviously we saw how that went. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald is no longer the head coach. Uh, David Braun is the interim head coach. Six months ago, he was a defensive coordinator at FCS North Dakota State, and now he's the head coach at you know a Northwestern program that is, uh, I guess you could say, not had the best uh, last couple of months. So he was asked how his preparation will change uh, in preparation for that Northwestern matchup as they come to Piscataway. He said, no, he didn't think as much maybe as if it was a total overhaul. Um, he mentioned, you know, some similarities defensively um, that we saw, you know, David Braun was brought in to be the defensive coordinator, and, you know, maybe he runs something similar to what we saw in the past few years before Braun was there. Um, so he said, you know, I think we're going to get what we're studying and getting prepared for. Um, he said, the biggest thing in my career is to make sure your own team is ready. That's our challenge. Um and he said, you know, you've got to make sure that Rutgers is ready on the third because Northwestern definitely will be. So that will be a very intriguing matchup uh, to see how that goes. Very, pretty much a litmus test for the season. Um, 
And then he was asked, you know, he had a lot of local kids to stay, uh, help lead the program at his first tenure. How important is it to keep those kids from schools like Don Bosco and Bergen Catholic in-state to help grow the program? They just got a commit from Bergen Catholic not too long ago in Kaj Sanders, the defensive back. So pretty topical question. And he said it's always important to recruit your backyard. Uh, New Jersey is one of the most fertile states. This is, this is my own words. New Jersey is one of the most fertile states in, a, in, in athletics. Um, so it's important to keep those guys home. And Shiano said the most important thing is that you get the right players that fit your culture and that are gifted enough to play and compete and win in the Big Ten Conference. Um, so I, we're starting to see that with his recruiting vision as well. You know, maybe not going after some of the New Jersey guys or maybe not pushing them as much as, you know, maybe some other states. You know, if you look at that 2024 class, we looked at it, you know, back in the first episode, they're coming from all over the place. So um, he said, you know, it wasn't cool to go back to Rutgers in 2021. And then 2022, we, we recruited all over the place to get the right guys to fit our program. He's still doing that now. Um, and he said, I feel confident that in our local area, the New Jersey, New York area, uh, we're consistently going to recruit the best players, which and is in our own backyard. Um, and he said, you know, we're not going to get them all. And that's just an unfortunate reality. You're not going to get all the best guys because, you know, sometimes it's not even your own program. You know, sometimes guys just want to go elsewhere. You know, sometimes they feel like they fit better elsewhere. So that's just the way it is. And Shannon also said that you know, he got a quote from Coach Joe Paterno at, back when he was at Penn State. Um, Chiano was at Penn State back in, in the 90s. He said, uh, don't worry about the ones you don't get. Make sure you love the ones you do get. Uh, and I think that's a great quote to, to live by from a recruiting sense. You know, can't worry about the ones that slipped away for whatever reason. You just got to worry about the ones that you do get and make sure that they are the best possible fit for your program. So the last question he was asked about offense coordinator Kirk Shiraka and, you know, what he brings to the program, what kind of differences he hopes to see in the offense. Um, and he said Shiraka is a veteran coach, one that he knows very well. He's been at Rutgers before. Um, and he said that, you know, he's at Rutgers on our staff the first go-round. He said he brings experience, clarity, and knows exactly what he wants to do. And Shiano said, I think he does a great job leading and managing our staff, and he's excited. So we talked a lot about, you know, how he's going to work with Gavin Wimsett as the starting quarterback. And I think um, from what, you know, has been coming out from Shiano or Shiraka or Wimsett, um, they've worked very well together. Uh, he's learned a lot. Um, Wimsett mentioned, you know, in training camp, and we'll get a little bit more into that later uh, in, in the next episode. He said that he's helped work with his mechanics a lot. So uh, that's going to be very interesting to see how this works out. Um, he's, he, another note that he said uh, that kind of stuck out to me, he said, uh, it's the best staff I've been on my whole career, with the, uh, with the coordinators being Harris Emi, Coach Joe harris Emiak and Kirk Sharaka, uh, both from Minnesota, ironically enough. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those are two very high-level coordinators, and harris Emiak led one of the better defensive units in the Big Ten last year. Um, and uh, he said, you know, thank goodness, because a lot of my time is now spent on NAL and those types of things that have very little to do with offense or defense. So I, I think in this day and age, it's it's the most important to have a staff around you that you can trust with the players while you can handle, you know, you can still handle the players as the head coach and, and all that kind of thing. But also, you know, make sure you can handle some of the outside stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, that's a uh, it's pretty much a summary of what, you know, Greg Chiano said at uh, Big Ten Media Days, and that Gavin Wimsett is the starting quarterback. Um, so that's, uh, that's about all we have for this episode. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening.